Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi alladhina istafa amma ba'd. Fa'udhu billahi minash shaitanir rajim. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna 'alan nabiy. Ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu 'alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Recite the Sharif. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama sallaita ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka Hamidum Majid. Allahumma barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ali Sayyidina Muhammad kama barakta ala Ibrahim wa ala ali Ibrahim innaka Hamidum Majid. Wa qala Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ya ayyuhan nas inna khalaqnakum min dhakarin wa untha wa ja'alnakum shu'uban wa qaba'ila lita'arafu إن أكرمكم عند الله أتقاكم إن الله عليم خبير وقال الله سبحانه وتعالى إن الله لا يغير ما بأنفس إن الله لا يغير ما بقوم حتى يغير ما بأنفسهم صدق الله العظيم when a person studies the blessed and noble seerah biography of Rasulullah and many people they set off on this journey of learning the beautiful and the detailed life of the Prophet which has been put together by the many ahadith, sahaba kiram, the historians in many, mashallah, beautiful forms. And this is something that we should do. It should be a priority. An ideal time is now in quarantine, uh, in isolation, in lockdown. We have time. And it's one of the amazing things that you can do as a Muslim. It's a duty we have upon us to learn the beautiful life of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. However, what I want to mention is this. Many people, they set off on this journey wanting to study the seerah. And you're really excited, you're passionate about it. You've bought the books or you've downloaded the podcasts or you've you know, got the, uh, made an intention that you're going to attend the lecture series. And what tends to happen and we do this with a lot of things. In the beginning, there's a lot of excitement. Uh, and we are really passionate about it. So we start reading uh, page upon page. Or we start listening to uh, track upon track. Or attending lecture upon lecture regularly. And then what happens, unfortunately, we get so busy. We get occupied with something else. And we tend to give up. And then sometime later, uh, you might hear in a speech or a lecture, somebody might speak about it again. So you have this inspiration, you start again. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is because of this, one of the benefits of starting studying the seerah again and again, of course, we should continue and study as much as possible. But one of the benefits of studying the beginning of the seerah multiple times, which I, I'm, I'm assuming a lot of people may have done, and uh, we do this with a lot of other things as well. Could apply it to tafsir of the Quran or apply it to any other type of learning. And 
some of us do this with the Quran. Uh, after the month of Ramadan, some time passes, somebody speaks to you, you hear a lecture, you think, you know, Quran's not just about Ramadan. You should continue reading Quran for the rest of the year. So we start reading. You know, we're on Surah Al-Baqarah, we do the first juz, and then the next day we do the second juz, the third day we do the third juz, and then that's it, that's the end. Maybe after a month or two later, again, you hear a reminder, and you think, oh, I might as well start again. And this continues all the way till Ramadan, and you're reading the first few juz a few times. Now, the reason I'm mentioning this is, if a person has studied the early pages of any seerah, one thing you will definitely come across is something called Hilf al-Fudul. Hilf al-Fudul, which was a pact, it was a treaty. And the Messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he makes reference to this. Now I'm just going to give you a bit of background to this and then tie it in with the discussion that we have today and why I think it's important to bring it to the fore in this manner. And it's really, really sad that I'm having to do this uh, to try and justify why I'm speaking about what I'm going to speak about. Uh, and this shows you how serious this problem is. Many of us still are not willing to accept this. We are still willing to brush this under the carpet. We are still denying and failing to acknowledge that there is a problem. And I'm not just speaking about, and the focus of today's talk is not just about what's happening in America, for example. Juma'a is not necessarily speaking about what's happening everywhere. Yes, we do touch on what's happening everywhere, and then we bring it back home. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that Allah is not going to bring about a change until we don't change ourselves. And that's what Juma'ah is, where we get together and we are giving a reminder based on the larger reminders that we are seeing and experiencing throughout the world. It's a time for me to reflect, for me to ponder on what changes I can make. We're good at saying they should do this, this should happen. However, have I looked into myself, where do I stand on this issue? Nevertheless, so when we study the seerah, one of the things we come across is something called Hilf al-Fudul. Now, very quickly, I'm just going to give you a background of what happened, or one variation of what happened, just to understand uh, uh, the stance of the Prophet ﷺ on issues of social justice, regardless of who it is. It doesn't matter if it's a Muslim or a non-Muslim, and this is where we are mistaken many a times, where if there's a cause and it's an Islamic cause, Muslims are involved, we will voice our concerns, we will stand up, we will make a bit of movement. However, when there is a cause, and it's not related to Muslims, it's human beings, it's not necessarily, it doesn't have to be Muslim or non-Muslim, they're human beings as well. However, because they, we don't have any personal kind of benefit as we think, uh, then we tend to shy away from it, we tend to be silent on it and we tend to brush it under the carpet, not give it the importance. Was this the way of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam? Did he only stand up for those, uh, uh, th those causes? Did he only stand up for justice when it came to his own people? Or was he up and standing for justice at all times, regardless of who it was?
So what happened is in Makkatul Mukarramah, as you know, amongst the pagan Arabs, there was a lot of tribal wars that took place. People would fight over petty issues. And you've always heard regarding the, the, the tiny and the minuscule and trivial things that would happen which would, uh, it, which would spark a, a, a heated debate. And then that would go on for some time. However, the people in Makkatul Mukarramah, the Arabs, they had protection, they had support, they had allies. They had people that if someone did something to you, you knew that you had backup. You knew you had support. You knew you had a voice. Despite you doing something wrong, you knew that the, uh, the other side are not just going to be able to get away with uh, attacking you or cursing you or, or, or putting you down because you had backup. Similarly, the other tribes also had backup and people looked after each other and they fought for each other. Now, what happens is from Yemen, there is a merchant, a businessman. Um, he comes before the time of Hajj. And remember, this is before Islam in the days of Jahiliyyah. So he comes from Yemen to Makkatul Mukarramah. He's got some of his products, uh, his items that he's selling. They used to sell various things. And when he comes to Makkatul Mukarramah, now remember, this is a person who is from a far distant place. He doesn't have any relatives here. He doesn't have any people here. He doesn't have any support here. He doesn't have anybody who knows him or who looks like him or is his cousin or is from his clan or his khandan or from his qabila or from his village back home. Nothing like that. This is an outsider, uh, so to say. Now, when he arrives over here, he has some of his products and he goes and sells uh, some of his items to uh, one of the leaders of Quraysh, who's a politician, who's a well-off person. He's a person who's got standing in society. People look up to him. As ibn Wa'il, uh, and this was the father of Amr ibn al-As, radiyallahu ta'ala anhu, later became a great companion and a sahabi of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So As ibn Wa'il, he buys some of this stock and these business items that he brings. When it came to giving the money and handing the money over, he said to him, don't worry, I'll pay you after Hajj. Once the Hajj is over, I'll pay you. And the Hajj took place. After Hajj, he says, you know, I've come for my money. He goes, I'll pay you tomorrow. I says, okay. Now he's procrastinating, delaying the payment. And the following day he comes again. He says, I'll pay you tomorrow. And this continued for some time. And here he thought, right, something's going on here. Why is it that, you know, he's delaying uh, and prolonging the payment? I'll pay you tomorrow. And this continued happening. One day, this person, uh, Yemeni, he came up to Asib ibn Wa'il and said, hang on, like, well, what are you playing at? Before the Hajj, you said after Hajj. After the Hajj, you said tomorrow. And then you said tomorrow and tomorrow. How long is this going to carry on? I want my money. Asib ibn Wa'il said, I'm not going to give you your money. What are you going to do about it? And As ibn Wa'il was confident that if this man, if I didn't give him his money, if I ripped him off, if I conned him, deprived him of his money, no one's going to do anything. And he doesn't have any power. He doesn't have any social standing in Makkatul Mukarramah. This is like our place. We rule here. What's he going to do? No one's going to know about it. We will get away with murder. Like people have been getting away with murder throughout the world. We've been seeing. 
and especially when it comes on to the issue of black lives we've been seeing for years and years and years this is not a new case it's just so happened that this has sparked uh, a, a people to become mobilized and it's waken people up which is a good thing uh, we'll come on to that in a moment uh, but this is not something new you and I might be blind to it. We might want to turn away from it. But it's true. It's happening. And it's been happening for a very, very long time. Uh, not just 10, 20 years. Hundreds of years. Nevertheless. So what happens now is this individual, he comes up to Asif ibn Wa'il. And he says to him that, look, I want my money. And he says, look, I'm not going to give you your money. What are you going to do about it? So As ibn Wa'il, he now he thinks, what, what, um, th this Yemeni person, he thinks to himself, what can I do? Now in those days, you didn't have social media. Nowadays, someone's frustrated, no one's listening to you. Just go online, go on Facebook, make a, send a tweet, for example, and then it becomes viral and everyone starts talking about it. In those days, the tool that people would use was poetry. So he went to the center place, and he chose a time when most people had gathered between the, the Hatim and the Hajrul Aswad. And he stands there. And there in the center, he sang some words of poetry. And he said that, you know, what, what kind of behavior is this? What kind of nobility is this? Wearing a cloak, wearing a thobe, being dressed in a noble manner doesn't bring nobility. Nobility is a person who has morals. I might be a person, I'm still in my ihram, I'm a traveler, I'm disheveled, look at my hair, look at my condition, I'm not even from around here, I'm from far away, however look how I'm being treated, I've been mistreated, I've been oppressed, and this is incorrect and injustice, and someone should do something about it. His words were moving, and these words, this poetry spread like wildfire, everybody started talking about it. And you know, the Arabs, they had this sense of honor that, you know, how dare somebody speak regarding us like this, in this manner. And it, it started to create a movement. It started to create some haraka, and people started to mobilize. And one of them was one of the uncles of the Prophet ﷺ, who decided and said to the people, do you know what? Something has to be done about this. We can't just let this happen. Where a person has come from a far land, he doesn't have anybody here. Nobody is the same as him. Everybody's different to him. And somebody's oppressed him in this manner, not willing to give his money back to him. We should do something about it. So he decided to gather the noble people of Quraysh in the house of one of the most noble people of, of Makkatul Mukarramah, Abdullah ibn Judaan. And the Prophet ﷺ mentions him later on as well. And he was a relative of Aisha radiallahu anha, a, a distant relative of Aisha radiallahu anha. Abdullah ibn Jud'an, Nabi ﷺ speaks about him. Uh, Malana Idris Kandalwi rahmatullahi mentions in his Siratul Mustafa where the Prophet ﷺ describing the nobility, the hospitality, and the generosity of this man, Abdullah ibn Jud'an. He says, sometimes... In the heat of Makkatul Mukarramah, I would go and take shade in the cooking pots, the, the, the vessels in which the food would be cooked of Abdullah ibn Jud'an. And that, can, that just tells you, if you're taking shade in a, in a utensil in which food is cooked for guests, 
uh, you can imagine how huge that pot must have been for the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. I'm not talking about a little pot that we cook in. Um, uh, uh, this must have been so huge that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is saying, sometimes I would go and take shade in this uh, vessel or whatever you want to call it. Now, they get together in this house and they raise the issue. And they say, look, we need to make an agreement. So on that moment, what happens is they make a pact. They make a treaty. They make an agreement. And this is what it's called, Hilf al-Fudul. And why is it called Hilf al-Fudul? Time doesn't allow us now to go into that aspect of the seerah. Some other time, inshallah. Or you can read up yourself. And there's difference of opinion. Nevertheless, my main purpose of mentioning this is that alongside other people, one of the people that was invited to attend this moment of standing up for justice in the community, when you see injustice is being carried out, not just to your own people, anybody, even other people who are not directly your own people, we should stand up. This was like a movement that we stand up for any kind of injustice that is done, regardless who it's for. One of the people that was invited to attend was none other than our beloved Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Remember, this is before prophethood. He was only 20 years old at the time. They must have seen some nobility in him. They must have seen some leadership qualities in him. That as a young person, seeing that this man is worthy of attending, they invited him to also be part and a witness of this treaty. And this agreement now in those days you didn't have pen and paper they weren't people that read and they, they, they were people who were, who were people that wrote so what they did was uh, to show that they had agreed they didn't sign their names on a paper instead what they would do is they dip their arms and their hands into perfume and then they would go into the kaaba and they would rub this perfume onto the kaaba and this was a, this was like their signature i i've signed this petition I'm part of this group. I'm part of this movement that we will stand for social justice. Doesn't matter who it is for humanity. And that is what this agreement was about. Later on, after prophethood, the Prophet ﷺ made reference to this. It's in Sahih al-Bukhari. And the Prophet ﷺ says, I was invited in Jahiliyyah to be part to be a witness of the Hilf al-Fudul of this treaty. And he sallallahu alayhi wasallam says, if I was to be invited to something like that, to be part of such a movement today, he sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, I would not hesitate to take part. I would not hesitate to take part. And if somebody was to give me, if somebody was to give me a whole herd of camels, if somebody was to give me so much wealth as an alternative to taking part, I would refuse that wealth. I would rather take part in this because this is what Islam is about. Islam is these Islam, Islamic values are human values. And this is why this topic is very close to Islam. Maybe we as Muslims, unfortunately, we as Muslims haven't paid justice to this, but Islam has. And this is why many people become confused sometimes 
when they look at Islam and they look at Muslims. When they look at Muslims, they find that within Muslims, they find that Islam is teaching one thing. And sometimes what happens, the people look at us, people look at me, and they will look at my behavior. And then they make a judgment on Islam, thinking, oh, look, Islam is like this. Islam is teaching this. Whereas Islam has said no to racism from day one. Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, he clearly mentions that your skin color doesn't determine whether you're better or not. The first racist was Iblis himself. When Iblis said regarding Adam I'm better than him because I'm of a nature of fire and he's been made from dust, from clay. Therefore, I'm better than him. Therefore, this idea is satanic. This idea comes from the devil. This idea is evil. Ibn al-Qayyim in one place, he has even given a similarity of racism uh, to shirk. Because at the end of the day, you are complaining. You are complaining about the design of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are criticizing the creation of Almighty Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, so this was as an introduction, I mentioned the helpful fudul that when we have such movements standing up for human rights against any injustice that is being carried out, they don't necessarily have to be related to Muslims. It doesn't have to necessarily be something that we call Islamic. As long as it's correct, it's standing up for human rights, whether it's speaking up against uh, uh, child abuse, for example, whether it's speaking up against domestic violence, for example, whether it's speaking for animal rights. You know, like how many Muslims do we see speaking about and being, getting involved in animal rights, for example? We don't because we, we just think that's not something for us to do. Whereas how many ahadith, Islam doesn't teach us that. The Prophet ﷺ spoke about cats. He spoke about dogs and there. Uh, he spoke about horses. He spoke about camels. He spoke about cows and how these animals need to be treated. And we find this. However, when it comes to our practice, we choose and we select. And then when somebody wants to speak about an issue which is important, speaking out against injustice, then we bring so many other things on the table to try and dilute the issue at hand. So let us try and understand. Now, this is not a, uh, you know, I, I am a learner myself. I am a victim of this uh, mentality myself. I am from our community and we are all suffering. And until we don't acknowledge that this problem is a real problem and we are the problem. We are part of the problem. And until I don't acknowledge this, until I don't understand this. Now, I, just a few points. That's what I'm going to do. We're going to share a few points uh, in today's get together, inshallah, in today's discourse. Um, you might disagree with me. I, I know there's a lot of people um, that are not very happy about the, the way these th things are going and the way this movement has, and why, why has everybody mobilized for this? You know, what, what do you mean black lives matter? What does it mean? Don't all lives matter? Uh, what do you mean black lives matter? Well, saying black lives matter doesn't 
mean that all lives don't matter. Of course all lives matter. Of course they do. And that is what we're trying to say. When you are saying all lives matter, when somebody brings up black lives matter, what you're doing is, you're again, you're brushing this topic under the carpet and you're trying to ignore the, the systematic racial uh, uh, slurs that are being given out to black people, not for a year or two years, for hundreds of years, and their mistreatment, the injustice which is being carried out against them. We're talking about something very specific. And we're not just speaking about politicians. We're not speaking about governments. We're not just speaking about police officers in the USA. We're speaking about you and me now. This issue, we've brought it home. Let's talk about us. It's not just about what happened with uh, George Floyd. That's one example of thousands of examples. And that's just become a means and a reason and a cause. And I believe, I might be wrong, and you can disagree with me. I believe that this is a wave sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for people to become mobilized and to take this concern on and to stand up for human rights at the end of the day who gave the color black to black people allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so in reality you are st standing up for the sake of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala no one else so let's just discuss a few points so first of all we ourselves i ask you are you racist am i racist do i have prejudice against black people what are my thoughts now most of us immediately will say no i'm not racist and when we when we say this we we tend to say oh because i've got a black friend or i've been to africa on holiday uh, so many times or for example i send my children to a school and they've got friends and we call them over uh, or I, i've been you know this ramadan you don't know how many projects i carried out in in in, in, in african countries does that mean that you're not racist? Does that mean that uh, just because you named your son Bilal, uh, is that sufficient to come out of this? So let us just explore a few points, inshallah. First of all, how many times has it happened that you are in your own house? Remember, we're not talking about anybody else here. I'm talking about my own home, my family, your family, your home, here in the Britain, in UK. How many times has it happened that you are in your own home, in your own house, where your own parents, your mother, your father, or your grandfather, your grandmother, one of your uncles, an elderly member of the, of the family, you're all sitting together, and they say something which is racist, openly racist, against black people, how many times has it happened where you have spoken up and tried to correct that? And the problem exists, it does happen. And us remaining silent and not doing anything about it, we are part of the problem. We allow it to happen. And for years and years, we know. And this is a question that I ask, do we ever say anything? I'm not saying be disrespectful. I'm not saying be rude. I'm not saying shout at them, but do we ever say anything or do we just go along with it? Just because 
you know, it's something that they've been saying and they believe it to be right. Do we ever speak up against it? Uh, so that's one question. The second thing is, because we do it so much, because we've been hearing from since the day we were born, we've been hearing it all the time, it's become so normal that we don't even realize. That's why now when this hashtag Black Lives Matter, Muslims are sharing it on their platforms, a lot of people can't digest it. A lot of people can't take it without them realizing that they are also victims of uh, being racist themselves, they are saying, why are you saying this? You shouldn't say this. You should uh, talk about other things. What about what's happening in this country? What's, what about what's happening there? Why don't you speak about that in, 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 with, with so much passion? Why are you raising this issue? Now, sometimes it's unintentional. Okay, if I ask you, uh, in your family, do you have words in your family to describe black people? And 99.9%, .9 I can guarantee that in your family, in your home, in your circle, in your people, you will have words which you use to describe black people. You might not think that is racist, but you go to the black community and ask them, do they have words to describe Asians, for example? Do they have words to describe Arabs based on their skin color? They won't. And they don't do this. Normally, that's not present. And this is something unintentionally, we might not even realize, but it's something that's become so normal. And these comments we make, we pass. If somebody was to come, we will refer to them, not with their name or not necessarily even with where they're from, but we'll be using the color of the skin to, uh, to differentiate to recognize, to make a distinction. Uh, and that is putting down uh, a person from another race. And generally you find when the black community, for example, get together, you won't find them sitting down and putting down people of another race because of their skin color. So number one, we need to realize that the problem is much greater than we think. Don't be fooled by just thinking of oh, these are just some police officers uh, who don't know what they're doing and it's no we we I okay if you don't like me saying we and you I will say I I am part of the problem we are part of the problem and it's so easy to address these issues to the rest of the world it's so easy to address the prime ministers of the world and the politicians of the world and to address the police officers uh, of the United States and of the UK and to share videos of police brutality. And yes, it's true, it is happening and we should speak out against it. Dhulm, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't like dhulm and oppression. And wherever it is, yes, we should stand with the oppressed and voice your concerns. However, it's so easy to speak out about the injustice and the wrong which is being done when the racism is being carried out by corporations, by employers, for example, by governments, by politicians, by police officers. However, what's very difficult to address is when you want to address your own community, when you want to address your own family, when you want to address your own people, when you want to address. So that is when we become silent. And bearing in mind, this topic of racism is very, very rife within us 
talking about black people is a secondary issue issues within ourselves which i'm not going to speak about because i don't want to dilute the issue at hand because at this moment in time the need of the hour and the discussion that is taking place and the movement and the motivation that everybody has and the justice that people are calling out for is that black lives matter like all other lives matter as well and for too long we have ignored this and we are part of the problem so first of all um, it's very easy for us to speak about um, USA or even the UK or politicians but what about our own parents who speak in derogatory terms? What about our own elders? What about some leaders? What about the masjids? There are many masjids. I can give you examples of personal examples that I've had. We have this problem amongst us in religious institutes as well. This problem exists and we need to speak about it. It exists that we will treat people of a different skin color differently and it needs to stop we need to raise awareness we might not think that we're doing it but because we've been doing it for so long it continues to happen i i have witnessed this for a number of years in the fajr prayer this elderly man he would come to the masjid he was part of the masjid organization and he would be sitting in the front row and i've seen this from the back of the masjid on numerous occasions where an African brother, and in this masjid you only had like two or three African brothers attending. This African brother, he would come and he would attend the Fajr prayer. And when he would come and he would sit next to or stand next to this particular elderly uh, Asian person in Salah, this Asian person, he would move from one side of the masjid to the other just so that he doesn't have to stand next to him. And I've seen this happen not once, multiple occasions. And these things happen. That could, be, that could be your uncle. That could be your relative. That could be your parent. That could be your imam. That could be one of your teachers who's doing this. So this is something that's a problem that's very, very rife. And because sometimes it's within us and it's become so normal, we fail to see the problem. Everybody is speaking about Black Lives Matter at the moment. We want things to change. We want things to change in America. We want things to change around the world. Not just on this issue, for all issues. But let's speak about this in particular. However, the problem is not going to become solved until you and I solve our own issue first in regards to this. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Inna allaha la ma bi hatta ma bi anfusihim. Allah is not going to change the situation until people don't change themselves. First of all, I need to stop becoming a racist. I need to stop looking down and thinking in derogatory, looking, making derogatory remarks. And even this thinking and this idea that we have, that we've grown up with, first of all, we need to admit that we do have a problem amongst us and within us. Sometimes what happens is when we bring this topic up of Black Lives Matter, um, people brush it under the carpet and they say, oh, that's only related to marriages. It's only because, you know, you know what marriages are like. And again, how many times has it happened where there's a girl, a Muslim girl, uh, and, and, and there's a, a black Muslim brother, or he might even be a revert, he's educated, he is good-looking, he has 
you know, he has his own house. Everything is there. But the family will just say no. Plank right, no. We will not accept. We will not allow. We're not going to let it happen. And they'll settle for her not getting married. They'll settle for her going off with somebody else and committing zina. They will settle for her getting married to somebody who doesn't even have a job, who doesn't even have a house, who doesn't have anything to his name. But just because this person was black, this is why we've denied it. So I know that does exist. However, that's not the only problem. It's so easy for us to say, oh, that's only about marriage. And then that's it. Let's move on. No, it's not only about marriage because in marriage, there are cultural differences and there are different understandings that we have. So sometimes it might not be uh, what might work out best for the family. That could happen. So yes, you can have cultural differences. You can have your preferences. That doesn't mean we are racist. We shouldn't make rude remarks regarding somebody's skin color. However, if somebody chooses to have a cultural difference and they want to marry in a certain family or not, that's different. But we cannot brush this topic under the carpet by saying, oh, it's only about marriages and let's move on. Uh, so this topic is not about marriages. This topic is about why are black people treated differently within our communities? Why are black people sidelined in our masjids, in our madrasas, and even Islamic organizations? Why is it that the opinion of a black person many a times at workplace is undermined? It's not listened to. Why is it that black people feel that they're not being heard? I can give you an example, and every time I hear about this and remember this, it, honestly, it makes me cry. And I'm not going to mention the name of the masjid, in Birmingham, in a masjid, I remember very clearly, and again, like I said, every time I remember this, it, you know, it, it, it breaks me from inside that what really we are still facing these kind of things here in the UK where we think we moved on. There is an African brother, black brother, who's a regular attendee of the masjid. And uh, he got to know me, not personally, just making salam, how are you? And he would attend some of the uh, the programs here and there and but he was a regular for salah one day when the masjid was very quiet he approached me and he was crying and he said to me imam i've got a question he says imam i notice i've been coming to this masjid for so many years and one thing i've noticed is when an asian person comes in the masjid and he says assalamu alaikum everybody responds to him and they say wa alaikum salam when this Asian person, he goes to people and he says salam to them, they, make, they smile at him back and they say wa alaikum salam. He says, I try and do the same thing. Every day I walk into this masjid and I say assalamu alaikum. He says, barely anyone responds to me. And when I make salam to people and make an effort to go to them, he goes, nobody bothers smiling to me. He goes, what, what, is it? what have I done wrong? Have I committed a crime? Have I committed a crime? Did I do something wrong? And this is here. We are doing this. We are part of the problem. This is not just an issue about police officers. So let's first educate ourselves. Let's not get really emotional. It's so easy to type things on a keyboard nowadays. And you know what we need to do? Whenever any issue comes up, first listen, learn. Remain silent. If you don't know, just please, please don't mind. Just shut up. We need to stop talking and start listening. 
start reflecting, start pondering. These are realities that are within us. This is happening. And I can guarantee that there are so many black brothers uh, around in the masajid that we have over here as well. I'm talking about here at home. That will have this same complaint. The same complaint. We, have, we see in the safs. When, when there's a gap in the saf, sometimes you let somebody come forward. A black person's there, we, we turn back. We don't invite them to come towards the front. And this is happening. And these are complaints that these people have. And it's being done only because they have a different skin color. And that particular, it's not, you know, a lot of times we think, we say that I'm not racist because I've got, I've got Arab friends. I'm okay with Bengalis. I'm okay with Pakistanis. I'm okay with Europeans. No, we, this topic is about Black Lives Matter. And it's, it's, it's the black color we're talking about. That's where a lot of us have got this problem. Where, like we've said before, that we've created names as well uh, uh, for these kind of people. Moving on. Another thing is to show how this is very systematic. Systematic racism. From a very young age, from a very young age, from the time you and I were children, you know what we were taught? And again, no offense, I'm going to say as it is. I think we need to be very real. It needs to be very raw. It needs to be out there so we understand. And that's what Jumu'ah is about. It's like you're coming into the, in front of the mirror. If you go in front of the mirror and the mirror is going to hide your blemishes and your faults, then you're never going to rectify yourself. And the idea is I, first of all, need to understand. Do you know what? I myself am part of the problem. And before this happened, maybe I was thinking the same as you as well. I've only started learning now how important this issue is. And I'm inviting you to also join me. We are beginners on this journey. There's a long way to go. Black people have been mistreated for centuries. And there's a whole history. Most of us are unaware. And there is a lot for us to learn, to know, and to get out of this. Do you know when we were children? And this is real. And you can disagree all you want, but it's real. When you and I were children, we were taught something. And what were we taught? We were taught black people are scary. We were taught this, right or wrong. This is true. We were taught this, that you know, those people, black people are very aggressive people. We were taught this. These things are told to children when they are young. And we grow up with this. Maybe you might not say this now because we're living in a very different kind of world. But these things are in our minds. They're still there. We're, we were told when we were young, don't, don't, don't associate with these black people. They're thieves. They're bullies. They're not good people. And these thoughts from a young age, they still exist. And if you don't believe me, ask yourself. Look deep down in your heart. Look deep down in your heart. When you're in a masjid, when you're in a gathering, when a black person does come and attend and sits down next to you, what thoughts go through your mind? Ask yourself. It's so real. This really does happen. And if it was a white person or a person of a different color, maybe those thoughts would not have gone through your mind. This is entrenched inside us. We need to really go dig deep down and take it out. Remember I told you I'm not talking about police officers. I'm talking about us, we, I, we are part of the problem. We need to start addressing it and thinking. There are certain areas 
certain stores. I, I can tell you myself, let's not talk about anybody else. I can tell you myself, there'll be certain areas that you would feel you don't want to go because you've grown up with this idea, oh, there's black people there, so let's avoid that area. Really? Don't we get good people amongst all types of people? Imagine someone said that about you. And it's totally not true. It's totally not true that these people are X, Y, and Z. It's a very evil way of stereotyping and you've put all of these people into one. Uh, <clears throat> so this is also another uh, thought process that we've been growing up with. And it's so real, yet we're so unaware of it. We don't like to talk about it. We don't bring it to the fore, but it's extremely real. And now my question is, what are you going to teach your children? You were taught that as a young child. This was put in your mind and it's there and it's going to take some time to come out. However, are you going to teach the same thing to your children now? Is this the message that we're going to give? And it's not just sufficient telling them that, you know, Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu was black-skinned and he was a slave and then he became a Muslim and he gave the adhan. That's good, that's brilliant. But that doesn't take out the racism that's still inside you. The uneasiness that you experience when you come into contact with somebody who is of black skin. This is, this is something that's there. We need to work on it and we need to make awareness about it. The other point I want to mention is regarding the topic of Sayyiduna Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. The issue of Sayyiduna Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, normally when this topic comes up, that's the first thing that we start mentioning. Oh, Sayyiduna Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu. Of course, Sayyiduna Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu is there. However, is that it? That, I, I think that just shows how racist we are. You might think, how's that? It just shows that, is that it? Is that all you've got to present? Are you only saying that because he was a slave and you're trying to link slave with black people's lives? Slavery? Don't you know any other, whether not any other influential figures, do black people have to always be reminded and put in their face that, oh, there was also Bilal. What about other personalities? Was there no one else that was great? Has no one else achieved anything? from that community? Was there no one else of, say, African origin who was a great personality? Of course they were. There were many, many uh, scholars, many historians have discussed regarding even the prophets. The prophet that has been discussed the greatest in the Quran, Musa alayhi salam. I, 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 I can imagine a lot of people are not going to digest this well. Right? But I'm going to say it because that is the topic we're discussing now. There are many historians, scholars of tafsir, a hadith present as well that describe that Musa alayhi salam was dark-skinned. There are a hadith that clearly mention Suleiman alayhi salam was dark-skinned. And a lot of people will not resonate with this and they will not want to accept. But we have to, we have to stop, stop talking. Stop firing your comments. Just stop, pause, reflect for a moment. That's what we need. Uh, we find Nabi sallallahu alayhi, Isa alayhi salam, one of the most disputed and controversial characters because you know what happened in the depiction of Jesus, what's always happened is wherever they depicted Jesus, they tried to make him look like uh, the people they were trying to portray him to. Uh, whether it was the Greeks or the Romans trying to make him look like them. 
Whereas there is a clear hadith where the Prophet وسلم, said that the, the, the Jesus and Prophet Isa السلام, was dark skinned and then he went on to explain. He went on to explain that it's as if he's like one of the people of the, uh, uh, the, 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 the uh, uh, one of the tribes, I can't remember, the Shanu'a tribe. And the people of Shanu'a in, in, amongst the Arabs were extremely dark skinned, the darkest skinned people you could find. Hajar, the wife of Ibrahim السلام, who is, you know, the, the Prophet وسلم, comes from her lineage, was dark skinned according to many historians. So it's not just just saying that Bilal radiallahu ta'ala you're not doing any justification that's not a way to justify this rather that is sometimes indicating that we are still part of the problem because we're so far from the reality and do you know what you will not hear black people making a fuss out of this they will not go around and saying Suleiman was black and Isa was dark-skinned and Luqman Hakim Surat Luqman in the Quran we have Luqman, Surat Luqman we, a lot of us don't even know this. And uh, you know, you know the, the, one of my colleagues, uh, one of my classmates from Madrasa has written uh, and compiled a whole compilation, and it's been printed, published recently, a whole compilation about uh, African scholars or black scholars who have given amazing levels of service uh, to Islam and great contributions and that's just one area there are many many areas like this so just by you saying oh, I've got an African friend or I go to Africa I've done some charity projects and I donated some that doesn't mean you're not a racist person it's still inside if you've been growing up with this and you've always been told as a child that black people are scary and don't go into black areas and black people are robbers and thieves then that thought process is still there and you need to work on removing it. And it's important. Black Lives Matter. And it's sad that he's taken a hashtag to get this movement going. This is something the Prophet ﷺ called out even his own Sahaba. Sayyidina Abu Dhar ta'ala anhu. One day he said to Bilal radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Ya Ibn Sauda. He didn't say to him, he didn't swear at him with some other words. He didn't curse him with other words. This is exactly what he, he called him black. He said, you son of a black woman. And that was enough to cause the Prophet ﷺ to become angered. That's what he said. And this is what we use. I, I'm, I'm going to ask you again. Don't you have words for the black community that you tell your children as well? We've taught them. If they come, whatever, whatever you use, the word kala or kale or kallo or whatever, we use it. It's, it's, it's a reality. And you can hide from it, you can shy away from it, you can probably be wishing from home that please stop talking about this, but it's the reality. This is what Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu, a great Sahabi, even when he said it, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam had to put him in place and said, that is wrong. He called him, you son of a black woman. And the Prophet Bilal radiallahu anhu, didn't like it. He didn't like that. That why do you have to mention the skin color? It's a slur, it's not good. You can say anything else about me, but why are you talking about the color of my skin? So, Sayyidina Bilal, you know, and, and what happened is, one day someone passed by Abu Dhar radiallahu ta'ala anhu and uh, saw that his slave was wearing the same kind of clothing that he was. And said, Abu Dhar, what's happened? Have you been demoted? Or your slave has been promoted like this is not normal you're the master and he's a slave but you're wearing the same type of clothing and 
he explained that no, I, 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 I made some remarks against him which weren't very pleasant. And then the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he told me uh, uh, that you know you should treat your slaves the way you like to treat yourself, feed them from the food that you eat, clothe them from the clothing that you wear. And he took it literally to try and make up for it. And the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he said to this Sahabi and he called him out. He didn't think, oh, nowadays what happens if it's some leader, some high-profile person, we won't say anything. Oh, no, no, don't say anything. You know, he's a person of social standing. We shouldn't say anything. If it's your grandparents, if it's an uncle in the community, if it's a leader, it's an organization. If wrong is wrong, injustice is injustice. It doesn't matter who's doing it. Without any fear, we should speak. And this is what this is about. That's what Hilful Fudul was about. That you stand up for injustice. It doesn't matter if it's Muslim, non-Muslim. People are being racist towards black people. They have been for hundreds of years. And it's systematic, it's institutionalized, even in our own religious organizations as well. The problem is there and we need to call it out. And we need to stand and support those people. And the Prophet ﷺ didn't remain silent. In front of everybody, he said, Abu Dhar, innaka imra'un fikal jahiliyyah. Abu Dhar, you know what? It's bang on out of order what you said. You know what? You've still got jahiliyyah inside you. People in jahiliyyah, we're in Islam now. Islam came to demolish all of these things. The Prophet wasallam said, there is no virtue of a white person over a black person or a black person over a white person. The only virtue is that of taqwa. The other point I want to mention is Islam is a beautiful religion. Islam is against all types of racism. Islam doesn't teach this. So if there are any non-Muslims listening to this or that will listen to this, please don't study the Muslims to understand Islam. Study Islam because our Islam has never taught this. We Muslims, unfortunately, have done a disservice to our religion. We've represented it in a not so good way. The black community, uh, I'm talking about the non-Muslim black community, a lot of them they don't look at Islam in a pleasant way. Why? Because of our racial profiling. We have not displayed Islam in the beautiful way that we should have. So they think that Islam, I'm not trying to justify, of course they should go and study Islam and not the Muslim, but that is how things are. That is how we, that's how the world is. So you and I are representatives of this religion. Let us not. You know, at the end of the day, you might want to carry on being a racist. That's your choice, right? I advise you not to be. But that's your choice. You might want to carry on being that. However, do not carry out a disservice to the beautiful religion of Islam. Because people out there are looking at you and they're thinking, this is what Islam teaches. I don't want to know anything to do with Islam. Whereas Islam, the Islamic values are human values. They're human values. And that is what the Prophet ﷺ stood for at the time of Hilf al-Fudul. Now, this cause of Black Lives Matters is extremely sensitive. Extremely sensitive. We need to be very careful with what we say. Please, I, I, I urge you again. There's a lot of noise going on at the moment, especially on social media. A lot of noise. And people are posting loads of things on, on WhatsApp in response. Somebody put something about Black Lives Matter. Immediately people are putting up, oh, what about Palestine? What about Syria? What about Iraq? What about Yemen? Don't all lives matter? People are doing this left, right. 
you know what? That's very insensitive. If I tell you my house is on fire, okay, I, I show you that there's a fire there. Are you going to say, oh, look, but what about the fire that's over there in that other country? There's a big fire there. But my house is burning at the moment. Are you going to help me? Are you going to help put out the fire? My house is burning. Black people are telling you that we are being racially profiled. We are being sidelined. We are being undermined. Not because of religion. People have been oppressed because of religion from day one. That's normal. That happens. That's going to happen because you have one belief. I have one belief. And the fights are ongoing. That's something that's always going to happen based on religion. I'm not justifying it, but that is just the way things are. But to disagree with someone, to put someone down just because they have a dark skin color, that is absolutely inhumane. It's inhumane. And just like we look at other things are being inhumane, this is also inhumane as well. Therefore, it's totally illogical and it's very insensitive if you're going to you know, stop pulling out these kind. Of course, these things matter. These things are important. But there's a time and place for everything. Don't we have, and alhamdulillah, our black community, Muslim and non, have always stood up for the cause of Palestine. They always stand up for the cause of Yemen. They are standing up for the cause of Syria. But I don't see anyone else of these people who are calling. And do you know what? Normally, most of the time who are saying these things, they're armchair critics. They're not doing anything themselves. And the people who are making this movement, they are not letting them carry on. I believe, I might be wrong, and Allah forgive me if I'm wrong. I believe when movements like this happen, I call it this nafahat rabbaniyah. This is a divine, this is a divine wave from Allah. This mobilization, Allah has caused it to happen. Allah has caused it to happen. So many years this has been happening, people were silent. People didn't say anything. This is something which Allah has made happen. Allah has woken the people up. Allah has brought it, you know, through the, through, through the means of a camera on a phone. Okay, it's just, uh, we've seen it so many times. How many times have you seen a police officer being brutal and unjust towards a black person? We've seen it so many times, but it's not really done anything to us. But on this particular occasion, it's waken people up. Why are you then trying to disrupt? Why are you then trying to sideline this issue and be sensitive? Because these people, they need a voice. They need support. And for so many years, no one said anything. It's time now that we did stand up whilst people are moving, whilst the motivation is there. Think before you speak. If you don't have anything good to say, stay silent. Of course, you can go and support Palestine. You support Iraq. You support Yemen. You support the Rohingya Muslims. Of course, support those in Kashmir. Alhamdulillah, we're doing that. Aren't we doing that? You know my connection and uh, affiliation with Palestine and its causes. So I, I, I've had the same thing with myself. I put something up about Black Lives Matter and somebody's saying, you know, what about this happens in Palestine? I'm thinking, like, what are you trying to say? Alhamdulillah, we are always, always working for the, even today in this masjid today, today we have the, we'll be handing over the amount money raised uh, for the Maqasid hospital in Palestine. We'll be doing that very soon. We've got representatives from the Islamic Relief. Alhamdulillah, 211,000 pounds have been raised for this cause. One cause. You know, what movement have you done for black lives? Alhamdulillah, things are being done. For Syria, Alhamdulillah, things are being done. For Yemen, Alhamdulillah. But this is a topic which is important. It has gained momentum. Don't kill it off. 
Don't be a spoiled sport and do not be insensitive. If you don't have anything good to say, remain silent. Make dua that Allah gives you the understanding. Maybe at the moment you don't understand why it's important to speak upon this. Um, so nevertheless, the Prophet ﷺ, his teachings, love for your brother, what you love for yourself. Imagine we applied that. Okay, the privileges that we have, you know, it's so easy for us to comment, uh, being over here, having so many privileges and making these comments. Now, like I said, this is the most shocking thing. Two things I'm going to mention. One is, um, it totally shatters and breaks someone. Uh, you know, there was a, there's a, there's a, river, a river, black river brother. And he was saying that, you know, I've been through a rough time in my life. Um, I've had many experiences and it's made me quite strong and quite resilient. He goes, if somebody fights me, I'll fight them back. Somebody gives me rubbish, I can give it back as well. If somebody abuses me in any kind of way, he goes, I can take it because I've been through so much. However, he says, and if somebody speaks about my skin color, he goes, do you know what? As strong as you, you can see how strong I am. You can see how much strength I have. I've been through so much in my life and how resilient I am. But he says, when somebody says something about me being black, he goes, do you know what? Inside, I just shatter to pieces. He goes, I just cry. Because I say to myself, did I choose to be black? I didn't choose my skin color. I was creating this way. Why do you have a fault with something that's nothing to do with me? If I do something wrong, you can speak about my action. If I say something wrong, you can tell me I've done something wrong. You disagree with my opinion, disagree with it. But when you say something about my skin color, he says, it shatters me totally. Therefore, brothers, sisters, please be very sensitive. You don't know how it is for a black person to walk into work every morning where they are the only black person and they know they are racially profiled. They know that they are undermined. It's very difficult sometimes for black children to walk out into the playground at school every single day only to know that people will be laughing behind their backs, mocking them for something they didn't choose. This is happening every single day. You don't know how difficult it is for a black brother or a black sister to come into the masjid when they know that as soon as they enter, everyone's going to turn around to look at them. And every movement they are making, people are going to, and every gathering they pass, they know everyone's talking about them. Oh, look at his hair. Look at his clothing. Look who's here. Look at the... How difficult, you know, the struggle that they're going through, it's very real. Do you know what? And, and, and the amazing thing, these people are so amazing. They don't speak about it. They don't come and tell you. They've never made a fuss. Now that the world is making a fuss, join. Join in. If you are a person that stands for social justice, I would encourage you to, first of all, first of all, learn about black lives. Learn about black history. And don't just think, okay, black people were slaves. Yes, they were slaves for many, many years. But what? Is that it? Is that where they started? Is that why you have this mentality? No. What happened before they were slaves? They weren't slaves before that. They were noble people. They were amazing people and they're still amazing people. Unjustly, in an inhumane way, they were put through a system of slavery for hundreds of years. Because of which today you and I or our elders maybe don't like... Do you know how real this problem is? 
we can carry on. If you've got four, five children, three children Allah's blessed you with, one of them is light in color, naturally people will just make this comment, oh, mashallah. And they won't say anything about the ones that are dark in skin. And this is how, okay, you know, obviously personal preference, liking, it's all there, but this is so real. We are making these comments in our own houses. We make an issue out of the skin color. And this is something that is wrong. No one chooses it. No one wanted it. And that will not be the deciding factor on the day of Qiyamah. Therefore, the world is coming together on this issue of social justice. Please join in, come together, learn about it. There are many books that have been written on this issue. Not just from an Islamic perspective, just from a black person's perspective. What black people have gone through, Muslim or non, learn about it, study and let us start taking out this racism that's inside us from our hearts. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala take it out from our hearts. You know, you and me sitting here in the UK, you know, when, when people are sending around images of the kneeling police officer on the neck of George Floyd, what many of us are doing, we're sending images of Israeli soldiers kneeling down on Palestinians. Yes, we know that happens. But do you know what the Palestinians are doing? Do you know what the Syrians are doing? Do you know what the Iraqis are doing? Despite them going through so many difficulties, so much trouble, so much injustice, they've not shown pictures of Israeli officers kneeling down on them. Do you know what they've done? In their broken homes, their war-torn areas, which have been bombed and blasted and totally destroyed, on the walls they have painted pictures of George Floyd to show the world that we might be troubled people, we might be oppressed people, Injustice, we know what injustice is. However, today is to the day to talk about Black Lives Matter and we will join you in solidarity and to show that we are also humans and we know how it feels. Therefore, this is what Palestinians are doing, Iraqis are doing, people in Syria are doing, and you and I sitting on keyboards in the comfort of our homes, being totally insensitive, do not really understand the matter. This is why I say, please, if you don't have anything good to say, think before you speak, before you comment. You might think you're making a good comment. However, that could backfire on you and that could be something that works against what you're saying. It's a very sensitive topic. We need to be reminded of this all the time. So educate ourselves. And um, I'm going to end by mentioning that it's imperative that we continue reminding ourselves that the everlasting realm, we're Muslims. So one of the beliefs that we have is we believe that this world is temporary. The everlasting realm, the realities of the everlasting realm are much more real than things that you and I are seeing in front of us today. This is our belief. Yes, we believe that Qiyamah is Haqq. Jannah is haqq, Jahannam is haqq, the hereafter is more real to us than the reality that we can see. Today we're living in a very deceitful world. We believe as Muslims, our belief in akhirah is much more stronger or should be than the things that we are seeing with Aynul Yaqeen in front of our eyes. And this is something that we need to know that living in this injustice and oppressive system of the world today, it can really consume somebody it can really devour somebody. It can really finish you off. So much so that you can end up resorting to 
violence, you can go to suicide, you can end up doing things that you're not supposed to. Therefore, we have to keep reminding ourselves that true and complete and infinite justice will only be carried out on the Day of Judgment. True, complete, infinite justice is only going to be carried out on the Day of Justice, on the Day of Judgment. It only exists in that world. Here we can only try. Here we can make a movement. We can make some sound. Yes, we don't resort to violence. The brother of George Floyd spoke out today. And he said, all you people who are protesting on the streets and causing riots, are you more hurt or am I more hurt? I know you are hurt, but I am hurt 10 times more than you because he was my brother. And I knew how good person he was. However, let me tell you something. Vandalism, violence, riots is not going to bring George Floyd back. It's going to show that it's not going to give a good message. And if my brother was alive, he would not be happy with seeing what you people are doing today. Yes, protest in a peaceful manner. Make your voice heard. That's fine. That's fine. However, don't resort to violence. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the opportunity first to learn. May Allah give us the opportunity to study and to teach our children not to be racist. It's a reality and it's sad that it took a hashtag for us to be able to wake up about it. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us the ability and the understanding. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.